Well, today's case is all hellfire and brimstone with a little missing persons and a murder in a face degree. Tonight's True Crime Tuesday brought to you by two former cops. What? True crime with a police perspective? That's crazy. Well, it's real. And tonight, Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman, right here on the First Stop Podcast channel. Stay tuned, baby. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. good to be simulcasting does that sound cool simulcast <laughs> very sounds official like a new uh sounds like one of those new pornography you know you know what i'm talking about right vr <laughs> maybe <laughs> it's, a, it's like my recommended videos are fisting and simulcasting <laughs> and old women three ways <laughs> no, i'm just kidding it's all mermaids sarah kelch is in the chat our resident mermaid. Uh, she's Mermaid Sarah on the Instagrams, and I absolutely love it. Listen, tonight's going to be a lot of fun. Well, maybe. Uh, depends on what you think is fun. But, uh, you know, true crime is fun to me. It can be fun for you, too. Just, just give it a try. Just give it a give it a shot. My wife just walked in bringing me a cold beer. Thanks, honey. Uh, tonight's show is brought to you by FactorMeals.com. Promo code Wolfpack50. Meal planning to the next level. We also got ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and officerprivacy.com forward slash Wolfpack. Support those who support us. And um, listen, I'm not going to bore you with that. We've got some shout outs tonight that we got to get through. We'll do those at the end, though. Thank you guys for DMing us at the new Instagram for failure to stop true crime. That is called J Rama True Crime. True Crime J Rama. Am I right? Wrong? Indifferent? True Crime Drama. Yeah. True Crime Drama. Oh, True crime, J Rama. Um, I don't know why you call it drama. That is not drama. It's J Rama. It's J with a Rama. J Rama. I'll change it just for you. No, I like it that way. <laughs> I like it, J Rama. I just don't want you to call it drama because that's incorrect. Okay. J Rama. Because right? if it was drama, <laughs> it would be spelled with a D. Well, like I told you before, it's from Entourage. Yeah, but That's how they no, spell no self-respecting, <laughs> God-fearing first responder has ever watched that movie. Oh, the show? Of course. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> we were too busy watching Sex in the City. Did you know, what do you think it is? Sex in the City or Sex and the City? Don't answer that. Let's just get to true crime. I'm not going to Okay. this time. Thank you guys for being in the live chats. If you would, help us break the algorithm on YouTube by leaving us a comment, not in the live chat section, but in the comment section. And for those of you, for the love of all that is holy, for mo all of you, thousands of uh, podcast listeners that we get, dude, drop us a rating and review. Here's the crazy thing. We're at like almost 1,800 reviews, and we haven't gotten a single review in like three weeks. And I'm not sure how that happens, 
Like, how do you go from getting like four or five reviews every single show up to 1,700 reviews and then everybody just stops reviewing? Like, I don't think that people just stopped reviewing. Also, the same thing is like weird on Instagram. 419 new followers on Instagram haven't got a new follower in over a week. How does that work? How do you go from like 400 in a month to like not one in a week? I don't know what's going on. All I'm saying is we need help cracking that algorithm. So if you could give us a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify, leave us an Instagram message or leave us a comment and subscribe on our YouTube. Do one of those things. One of those things will help greatly. Uh, I don't think we're shadow banned. We don't say anything offensive. It's not like we're like, you know, chanting MAGA or anything over here. <laughs> Maybe they just don't like cops. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. This is a this is an exciting true crime story. I'm ready. It's called Slaughter in a Small Town. The Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman story. Take it away, Kendra J. Rama. All right. Our case tonight starts in a small town, as the title suggests. It's Drive in a county it, called a Small Town. Yeah. Oh God. Um, let's not go down that rabbit hole. We'll be talking about that you for 45 minutes. <laughs> so it starts in a town called Welch, Oklahoma, which is in a county called Craig County that has less than 15,000 people in it. So it's very, very small. Um, this is December 30th, early morning hours of 1999. The world is about to end. It's Y2K, you know, coming up in a couple of days. <laughs> People are out and about doing some crazy shit. And someone notices a house on fire in this small community. Now, this is a big deal. Arson in a small town. Yeah. This is a big deal because nothing like this happens. So everybody's calling everyone. Everyone's calling their moms, their aunts, their uncles. Cops show up. Fire department shows up. One person that was driving around um, kind of nosy about it was the brother of Laura Bible, who is one of our victims in this case. And he realizes that the house that's on fire is the house that Laura was spending the night at the house of her best friend, Ashley Freeman. So he calls his mother, Lorene Bible, says, Mom, you need to get down here quick. The Freemans is on fire. So Lorene Bible, Laura's mother, goes to the scene. She makes contact with law enforcement and the coroner, who she claims to know personally. And she's talking to um, this coroner, and she says, did you find anybody inside? She was like, all I can tell you is there's a female with a ring on her left finger who's born children. She realizes that this is Kathy Freeman, which is her daughter's friend's mother. Okay. In the home that night was Kathy Freeman, her husband, Danny Freeman, and then the two girls, Ashley Freeman and Laura Bible. But the only person they find inside is Kathy. So now this has become very, very suspicious. And rumors kind of start flying. Theories start forming that Danny must have killed Kathy in a fit of rage, taken the girls and gone somewhere with them. So they, you know, they take their all their resources that they have and they're trying to find these girls are trying to investigate what's going on, but they can't find any leads. There's no clues. Obviously the house is on fire, so they can't really gather a lot of evidence from this burnt up house. 
And they basically just run with this idea that Danny has killed his wife and taken the girls, probably doing God knows what. what? So Laureen Bible stays there for, she says she was there for probably close to 24 hours, waiting to see if they would come back. Um, after a while, she realizes they're not going to come back and she goes home. The investigators leave um, and they've turned the burnt home over to the families. So the next morning, still no sign of Danny or the girls. And Laureen takes her husband and goes back to the house to see if they can find any clues. Maybe something that will lead investigators to figure out where these people have gone. Where, 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 are, the, where are the cops at? Well, the cops the cops showed up and they did their initial investigation. They kind of yeah. were like, well, this happened on the early morning hours of, like I said, like one or two o'clock on December 3rd. So all day the next day, they're at this house okay. doing their investigation, trying to find stuff. You can only stay on scene for so long before you realize right, like, sure. what you're going to do. So the next day, the 31st of December, is when Lori and her husband go back to this house to see if they can find some sort of clue. They arrive on scene and they notice that the family vehicle is still there and there's just debris everywhere. The house is pretty much incinerated. The floor is falling through. This is a mobile home, so it, it's like totally burnt up. But Laureen thinks that it's kind of weird because all of the appliances have fallen through and just the structures collapsed on itself and she didn't feel like the investigators searched the house well enough for these girls so oh like maybe they're in a well it can't be a basement it's a trailer i mean trailers are kind of up a little bit like on blocks right right so the, you know it fell through so she thought well maybe they didn't look hard enough you and know the kids were down underneath the, yes the rubble okay right exactly Tracking. so she goes, her and her husband go searching through this burnt house and they look up and they notice something on whatever is left of the floor. They climb up there and they, they see the charred body of an adult human. <laughs> and okay. they realize this must be Danny. It's He's too big to be one of the girls. So, oh. Lori, yeah, so all the rumors of Danny... Murdering and then you know, I bet all those people felt like assholes. Yeah. Which didn't that bother you like as a cop? Like when people kind of poison or taint investigations, like you're already investigating something and you already have a lot of facts, but you know, you're gonna put that out to the public. And then somebody mm -hmm. comes to you and they're like, Oh, I think that someone so did it. And then I'm like, well, I don't know, but like it's just unbased, you know what I mean? And most of the time it's just like an unbased rumor. Like, yeah, what cause did Danny have? To make you just jump to, oh, he killed his wife and then stole the kids. So the reason why that was a rumor in this case, I get what you're saying, though. That's really annoying because everyone thinks they're a detective when that kind of stuff happens. Um, but the reason why people thought that was because Danny had an accident with a uh, like a muzzleloader gun, right. the black powder. Yeah. And it blew up in his face pretty much. And he had to have metal plates put in his head mm. to fix his skull basically. And after the accident, his family and friends noticed that he had a little bit of a temper that he didn't have before. That's, that's pretty common with a TV. Yeah. 
Yes. That, so very common with TBIs. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And he was, yeah. he was also a, he grew marijuana and he sold it. Oh, okay. so I mean, people think. Your wife and still your kids. <laughs> it's fine. Now, have you ever been in a trailer that somebody didn't have a negligent, just negligent discharge in? I don't know that I've ever been in a trailer that somebody didn't accidentally fire their firearm inside of the trailer. No. Every trailer I've ever been in, there's been a random bullet hole in it somewhere. Yeah. I went in one time where there was a bullet hole and then a huge singe mark. And I asked the guy, I said, what did you shoot your ceiling with, Bob? And he goes, oh, it was a flare gun. <laughs> a I'm flare gun. I'm not making this up. Hey, listen, uh, a shout out to Tito Smooths watching on Rumble. Just subscribed over on Rumble. He's a new subscriber. Thank you so much. Last known president, Sarah Couch, Marines, Bloodbath, Michael Hendricks. Last known, I already went through that one. Tactical dude, dead leg. I'm not going to keep scrolling, but thank you guys so much for being in the lives tonight. And uh, we got some shout outs at the end of the show. So, uh, you know, stay with us. See what you guys are missing on the audio side, even though we have like, Fucking 99% more listeners on audio than we do on YouTube. YouTube's fun. If you ever get a chance, tune in on the YouTube. You do all sorts of fun, funzy stuff on here. Daniel Sanders, what up? All right, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so Danny's got this uh, metal plate in his head. Uh, keep that in mind because Lorene Bible calls Danny's brother to the scene. She's obviously like, this is, this is Danny. Must be. He shows up and he notices that there's like a shiny metal something coming through his face. And he's like, okay, that must be the titanium place or whatever they put in his head. So among, (laughs) I mean, that's a pretty big discovery, but um, Lorene also finds Laura's uh, purse there. And like I said, the car was, was still parked in the driveway, which would kind of, negate any rumors that the girls did something i think because if you're a teenager and you kill a couple people your first thing would probably be to take the vehicle and run away (laughs) so they call the the cops and they come back out they take danny um when they do an autopsy on danny and kathy they realize that both of them had been shot in the back of the head with a shotgun so now they're looking at a double homicide And at this point, they're considering the girls abducted. So the case has escalated at this point. Law enforcement's out there doing their thing. While they're waiting around, while um, Lorene and Danny's brother are waiting around to get some more news, uh, Danny's brother is approached by two men who tell him that they are private investigators. And they really wanted to help figure out who these people are that murdered this married couple and abducted their their kids so they tell him if you give us a dollar we'll work for you because you have to pay obviously like that gives him the authority to now investigate so he says yeah sure thing gives him a dollar and they start immediately and while they're walking the perimeter of this crime scene they notice that there is um an insurance card a vehicle insurance card on the ground in the driveway. <clears throat> so they see a female's name on it. They ask Danny's brother and Laureen if either of them know who this person is. They say, no, we don't know who that person is, but their insurance card has ended up in the driveway of this home where this double murder has happened. So that would be um, a clue. 
So the private is a clue. Yes. A pretty big clue. So the invest, the private investigator takes this clue to the Craig County Sheriff's office and tells them, this is what I found. I found a clue. (laughs) I found a clue. (laughs) Yeah. So like, what is it? He's like, it's an ID card. He's like, damn, that's a pretty good clue. Actually. That's a pretty fucking good clue. (laughs) Actually. uh, We found this clue. (laughs) We left it there for you because we knew you wanted to. We just wanted you to have something to do. Yeah. Yeah, We found this. (laughs) We knew that was there. We knew it was was there. We already took pictures of it. Wait, you ruined the crime scene. You're leaving that there. Yeah. (laughs) Good job. Well, unfortunately that's not how it went. Um, the private investigator went to the sheriff's office and presented them with this this clue, and they basically said, "What the hell makes you think that has anything to do with this?" <laughs> Dude, you have to. <laughs> you have to at this point. Like, you got to save face. Now, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> like taking notes. They're like, "That's the dumbest thing ever." Okay, exactly. Where did you find this stupid piece of evidence? Right? Where exactly? Can you show me on this map this dumb piece of? <laughs> It's stupid. You're so stupid. Right here, right? Did you take pictures of this stupid clue? <laughs> you big dumb idiot. Big um, idiot. So, oh my god. So <laughs> they kind of blow him off a little bit, um, but they do take the insurance card. And I don't know if you ever worked with um, private investigators when you yes. were a cop. You know what? And I, I really have never had a problem with them until I started podcasting, and then we'd get them on the show. They're train wrecks, uh-huh. podcasters. But in real life, I've I've really never had a hard time with. Uh, actually, in my experience, they've been pretty helpful. Actually, aside from uh, the private investigators are trying to find women cheating and stuff, and then you like get that call that <laughs> keeping Tom or a stalker in the car. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But yes. like on real cases, uh, I've never really had a problem with PIs. So I used to work in a pretty well it wasn't that populated but it was pretty like mid-range city and we had always had calls for suspicious vehicles and it was always a private investigator and um i'm not speaking for all private investigators but to i had one positive experience with one and it's because they want to help so bad but i think some of them forget that they're not law enforcement right and but i would have them, to like, hear a lot of them almost all of them are ex-law enforcement and that would be extremely helpful because I think that someone who's ex law enforcement knows, like, okay, this is the job. I'm not doing X, Y, Z. Dude, shout out but, to my buddy. Uh, well, I don't want to say his name. It's his birthday today, though. I want to say happy birthday. But he's actually a private investigator for Pokemon. No shit. I didn't even know yeah, that was a thing. Dude, banking like six figures, too. Uh, buys counterfeit Pokemons. Was, was a police officer for like at least 10 years, I think left now he works for pokemon Find is that real they really me. do that I promise you like every time i talk to him he's like yeah i'm on my way to to uh kentucky to go to this uh uh, uh like fair you know what do you call those like places where they uh like a con no, yeah well no like where do they go where uh, a flea market so oh I'm okay kentucky yeah. to this flea market they're selling counterfeit blah blah, blah and this one guy's trying to sell me this fake Charizard card for like $10,000, you know, or something like that, $3,000, you know, whatever. I don't know Pokemon very much. No, this is real. I'm going to get him on the show. Well, the problem is I tried to get him on the show before, 
but he's like an undercover Pokemon buyer. So he can't. <laughs> not he, laughing at him. I'm just, it's just, this I'm sounds serious. so silly. Bro, he makes so much money. He was down in Atlanta. He bought, like, I, I'm not even, I'm not even joking right now. I think it was a $10,000 card that he bought. It was a stolen, like, it was stolen from like a Pokemon gallery or something. I don't know <laughs> okay. the whole facts. I don't know the whole facts, but I know it was like 10 grand. And he was trying to track this thing down. I was talking on the phone. He's like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm in Atlanta right now trying to hunt down this blah, blah, blah card. And I was like, bro, like, they flying you to Atlanta for that? And he was like, bro, the card's worth 10 grand. It was stolen. I was like, what? Dude, he's like, yeah, man. It's real deal shit, dude. And I'm like, dude, whatever, man. <laughs> there goes my hero. <laughs> dude, we're all laughing. Laugh is way to the bank, dude. This guy's like, real deal cop shit. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Making six figures, dude. Nobody's spitting on him, pissing on him, shitting on him. No PIs are fighting an insurance card, making you look like a dumbass. Dude, all the way to the bank on Pokemons. You said undercover. What did you say? Undercover Pokemon. I'm sorry. That's funny. That's a dope job. I'm not laughing dude, at him. We should him. do it's a true episode on like solving a Pokemon case. Oh, my fuck. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> mm. So... Oh, uh, this insurance card it has the name of, of a mystery woman on it. And um, the Craig County Sheriff's Office takes this. They contact her naturally. And they were like, hey, any idea why your insurance card might be at this um, homicide scene? And she was like, no, um, I don't know why it would be there, but I don't drive that car. My boyfriend, Phil Welch, drives that car. So she threw her boo under the bus Damn, and <laughs> they contact Phil and they're talking to him. And he does mention that he knows the Freemans and it's kind of convoluted because there's not a lot of, it's very vague. The information is very vague during this interview. He mentions that he knows the Freemans and then he starts talking about his buddy, um, David Pennington who is like, in Welch's words, a kingpin of meth making. And they're like best friends. And they're always just hanging out, smoking meth, doing all kinds of meth head shit with their other friend, Ronnie Busick. Mm. So these three men are now known associates. Um, one of them drives a vehicle to which this insurance card belonged in. It was at the scene. This seems like something that you would take and run with as an investigator, especially since you have zero leads and it's a homicide, but there was no further anything with this. They did the interview and that was it. So because of that, um, the case, I mean, are we talking cold. like some small town shenanigans here? You know, I always tell people that like yeah. big giant city police, they're, could be corruption, but it's not. It's probably going to be corruption on a much higher level. But small town agencies are much easier to be infiltrated with some kind of crazy corruption. Do you think mm -hmm. that possibly this one investigator kind of knows the meth head, or you know what I mean? Maybe he's getting a little yeah on the on the down low or something like that. Because it seems very odd that he would just ignore. You know, because at yeah. the end of the day, you still want to solve the case. Because if you don't, you look like an even bigger piece of shit when you've got one crime in your town in the whole last year and you couldn't fucking solve it. 
It's very you know possible. I mean? Yeah. I, yeah, I hear you. I, I, it's very possible that they were being corrupted and they were smoking meth. Um, but I mean, it's like smoking meth, but maybe taking some dollars. Sure, the, sure. The, the down low. It's very possible. Stuff. I mean, I, it's kind of up in the air because there really is no answer as to why this happened. Um, some people say it was ego. Some people um, would say the Freeman family especially would say that it's because the Freemans and the sheriff's office had really bad blood. Um, Kathy and, and um, Danny had two children, obviously Ashley, but they also had a son named Shane who was like a piece of crap. He was always burglarizing stuff and running from I mean, the cops. Real, and- because like I've had a gang member that died on my beat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were all supposed to be, like, conducting traffic stops and literally every check's off. Hey, do you have anything in the car that we need to know about? And do you have any information on the whereabouts of blah, 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 and who killed him? But the dude was such a piece of shit that I was like, I'm not going to ask anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, Shane was shot and killed by the Craig's, Craig County Sheriff's Office um, uh, before all of this happened. And then they had issues with Danny after that. So some people say that they kind of, like, botched the case because they – yeah, didn't they just didn't care. care. They were just like, yeah, this was going to happen anyway. So, like, yeah. good riddance. Uh, but here's my other question. Why are you letting your daughter spend the night in a trailer with a dude like this? Well, in interviews, Lorraine says that she didn't know at the time, um, which I guess is possible. I mean, You can I, tell a meth head's trailer. I know. You can look at a trailer and be like, a meth head lives there. Like, nobody, yeah, I mean, no, no, this... meth, no, like no meth dealer has like a really nice trailer. <laughs> That's true. I mean, <laughs> but this is, I mean, Oklahoma, this area, it's, I think it's all pretty much trailers anyway. If so it maybe. was a nice trailer, a tornado would have hit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's usually how it works. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a theory as to why it was kind of yeah, I like that theory. blown off Probably. or botched. It, it seems like the sheriff's department really didn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'll well, because because of all this, the case goes cold. Um, they don't have they have a lead, but they're not using it for whatever reason. And um, throughout the next year, Lorene and uh, Danny's brother and the rest of the Freeman family, they're they're trying their best to find these these girls. Um, they do charity events. Um, they do search and rescue missions. Uh, Lorene Bible actually got a an informant contacted her and said, you might want to talk to this guy who's uh, involved in a cartel. He's in a town like an hour or so Southeast. And she's like, all right, tell him I want to say, I want to meet him and ask him a question. Sure. So uh, this gets passed back to this guy who agrees to meet with Laureen. who's just like a normal mom. She goes and meets this cartel guy. And he's like, aren't you afraid I'm going to shoot you? And she's like, well, if you shoot at me, it must mean that I'm off. I'm close to my daughter. So she, yeah. But he tells her, you know, right. She says what he says. Well, you know, two things. I don't kill women and I don't kill children. So that was also kind of a dead, like dead in the water. So like I said, the case just kind of goes cold for several years. Um, until 2004, when a man by the name of Jeremy Jones from Mobile, Alabama, is arrested for <laughs> another great place. 
Um, <laughs> he's arrested for the rape and murder of a woman by the name of Lisa Nichols. And while he's um, in, in custody for this, he admits to 13 murders, one of which um, is Laura and Ashley. How did he do um, that from Mobile, Alabama? He just decided so, to roll through Oklahoma and rando pick a trailer that just happens to be a meth heads trailer? I guess all of these people travel between like Oklahoma and Kansas and Ala- like all they're all over the place. Yeah, I don't think Alabama's um, anywhere near Oklahoma, is it? It's not that close, no. Wow. Especially Mobile. Mobile's like down south. So but um he- stand Mobile. It's like one of my, it's, it's maybe one of the worst towns I've ever had to stay in. I've been there one time and um, I've been there twice and stayed for a couple of days each time. Yeah. Ugh. I don't really remember anything about it other than the so, tunnel, but terrible. Um, so this uh, Jeremy Jones guy kind of becomes a viable suspect because he makes claims that he went driving around looking for the Freeman house because Danny owed a bunch of money to, uh, a drug dealer, pretty much. He says that he kills Danny and Kathy, sets fire to the home, takes the girls, um, kills them and dumps them in a mine shaft in Kansas. So I'm assuming at the time of the murders, he was in the area because uh, Welch is in Oklahoma is like kind of right on the border of Kansas. Okay. So there's a little bit of back and forth there, but he points them in the direction to this mine shaft. Investigators find it, but there's no sign of the girls anywhere. I uh, um, worked a murder. Um, it was a missing persons thing, a murder drug dealer. And they said that they dropped them exact same thing in a mine shaft. And um, I want to say it was in like Henderson, North Carolina or something like that. And we called the Henderson guys and they went to go look. And, oh, you know what? That's not true. I heard about this when I was on a dive recovery team. I heard this story. And they called the dive recovery team that I was on to go up there to try to get in there because it was full of water. And they were like, yeah, no, we're not going down there at all. So mm. literally that place department was just like, yep, nope, he's not in there. We don't know. Hmm. We didn't find anything. But they said like they never actually went in there because it was so gnarly. So yeah. I wonder if it like, could be one of those stitches where it's he's possible. In there. He's in there forever. I mean, it's Kansas, so I don't know how much it rains there. Or what was in this mine shaft, but they didn't find the girls. And um, later, he recants his confession anyway. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I figured that was pretty far fetched anyway. Did and you know I don't know far-fetched? why. What? Factor meals, meal planning with factor meals. It's not far fetched to think that you can have an amazing meal, fresh and never frozen, delivered right to your door by Factor Meals. Go to factormeals.com right now and use the promo code Wolfpack50 to get you a very healthy, clean meal catered to the way you want it. You want vegan friendly, vegetarian friendly, gluten free, protein heavy? Go to Factor Meals right now and choose from one of 300 different menu items, all prepared by chefs. They're so nicely packaged. They come in this big box. You can get three a week, four a week, five a week, seven a week. This is cheaper than going to the grocery store, buying your shrimp, buying your chicken, buying your gravy, cooking it all, meal planning for the whole week. This is meal planning made absolutely simple. Every first responder that's trying to get in shape, lose weight, do your thing. Plus, the breakfast shakes are insane. I love these things. All the stuff that Factor Meals has is so elegant, pretty, and nice. 
you will look like an absolute rock star in your squad room, in your first responder bay, wherever it is that you eat lunch. Go to factormeals.com right now. Choose from one of 300 different menu items. Customize your meals. And I'm telling you, dude, it's a lot of food. It's a lot of food. So head over to factormeals.com right now and get you a meal today. All right, back to you. Okay, so after Jones recants this confession, which I don't know what or why these guys do that. It's, it happens a lot. There was another guy that came out and, and did kind of the same thing. Um, he admitted I think to it. it gets you perks. I think it gets you perks in prison. That's why you do it. Um, you can trade it for cigarettes. You can trade it for uh, commissary. You can trade it for walks outside. Um, I know one point. guy who uh, tried to help solve a serial killer type thing, but one of his things was that he wanted to go to a funeral in person and and so um that's kind of how they figured out that he was full of shit because they were like yeah there's no way you know what I mean? yeah so I, I think that that's part of the reason why a lot of these guys do these fake um that's a good point just to get out and like drive around well, yeah, and show I mean, people like look man i would love to give you some information on these two little girls but you know mm-hmm. i mean prison's hard man and i don't have anybody on the outside and my commissary cards empty and you know what's in it for me i mean i'm in prison for life I'm like well i mean we can make prison a little bit easier for you well how easy you think you could give me a you know a room by myself well maybe <laughs> yeah, give me some cigs sure you know, that's like um that camera off, let me have some porn for a couple hours <laughs> that's like Otis tool who i'll cover at some point um he did that a lot well, there you so go. The case goes cold after this. Um, again, this was in 2004 when he admitted to it or falsely confessed to it. <clears throat> the girls were taken in 99. And in 2011, the case is reopened by a DA investigator, Gary Stansel. And he's going through this case file and he's feeling a little overwhelmed. He kind of notices the insurance card thing. It's moving real slow. He's not getting a lot of shit done on this. Um, a couple years later, in 2013, he teams up with the Oklahoma Bureau of Investigations and um, Agent Tammy Ferrari, which is a great name. Ooh, uh, damn, she <laughs> strips. She strips, dude. That's not a real detective name. I'm calling bullshit. I'm calling bullshit. They're like, hey, we need a name for your the stories going viral. What are you doing? She's like, Tammy Ferrari. <laughs> Next on stage, <laughs> Tammy Ferrari. That is her real name, but yes, it does it does sound very much like a stripper name. So, um, uh, Ferrari and Stansel team up, and they go through all this giant case file, and they start trying to re-interview a lot of these people that were involved. Um, they they see the name Phil Welch over and over and over throughout this case file, and they're trying to find the witnesses that were directly related to him, but it was, it was difficult. Like they couldn't track these people down. Um, conveniently in 2016, um, Lorene and her niece start a Facebook page to see if they can get any tips. Cause again, literally nothing has come about this case at all since the time that it happened. So, they start getting tips on this Facebook group. And one of the tips that they get is that like a friend of a friend of a friend of this person 
knew about some Polaroids that existed that allegedly were of Ashley and Laura. And they were, they were pictured on a bed uh, bound and gagged, unfortunately. So Lorene, yeah. So, which is crazy because all this time has gone by and whoever made this tip didn't ever think to call investigators. Maybe they were scared or I don't know. That makes me think it's bullshit for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Lorene takes this information and and goes to um, Stansel and Ferrari and says, here's what I got. So they look into it and they eventually find one of Pennington, who's one of the three musketeers that were involved in this, one of his ex-girlfriends. I don't believe it was the same one that had the car, but one of his ex-girlfriends, she agrees to do this interview. And she does say that she remembers them all bragging about abducting these girls um, and taking pictures of them. They held them for two weeks, um, drugging them and raping them and just being assholes with these girls. And yeah, it's pretty disgusting what they were doing. Um, Because they were bragging. I mean, they were just running around bragging to all their friends. There was there was another woman um, who lived with Pennington, not at the time. I think it was it, it was either right after or during the time that this happened. Um, the girls were taken to Phil Welch's house. But this woman who lived with Pennington remembers them all talking about this disgusting bullshit. You know it drives me nuts as a cop. Is that like and, and, and this is why I like doing true crime with you, because you can understand, you know, like evil exists like the rest of the world doesn't understand that there are fucking evil forces at play and the fact that you can brag about something so heinous and it not get back to anybody like it just shows you how normalized evil is in this world and just because you have separated yourself from evil does not mean that this shit doesn't exist and that is the only reason why i enjoy true crime is because finally the world kind of gets a glimpse of what cops deal with on the regular is real evil shit and real evil shit happens all the time like and these mm-hmm. are just some of the more salacious evil things but i think even now with true crime the way it is that people still put evil into a bubble like so many true crime hosts left-leaning true crime hosts that want to sally this stuff up or 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 not be audacious and choose not to cover stories because they're just too gruesome they need to let no i think the people need to know people need to know that this fucking evil exists and it should be told in a way that makes you cringe and makes you want to combat that. And they're like, uh, let's see, my wife's in here now. What is one of those one podcasts? My wife is a true crime expert, by the way. Jay Rama, one day you guys will have to dine together and talk about it. But while she's in here, uh, what is the true crime group of hosts that we said started out like ultra liberal and they still claim to be ultra liberal, but they still discuss things in a much more like supporting the police type of way? Do you know who I'm talking about? We had this discussion. She's getting all shy on me, folks. She's getting all shy on me. Is okay, it Crime well, Junkies? Is it Crime Junkies? No, she says no. Okay. No. Okay. They got in trouble. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> they did? I want to know. Hit me on the drama. We'll save well, they, the show. 
We'll okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if you wanna, if you wanna hear the drama with Crime Junkie and K Drama, J Rama. <laughs> K-Rama, K-Rama, J-Rama. The drama with J-Rama. show. By the way, Chris Dreyer just entering up in the chats. Greg, Daniel Sanders, and all the other guys over on Rumble. Thank you guys so much for being here in the live chats. We really appreciate you. So as they're talking to um, this ex-girlfriend or this friend that lived, it's all, again, it's kind of convoluted because these people are cooperative, but not really, kind of. Um, okay. She tells the investigators that she has seen these photographs herself and that she knows for a fact that it was Phil. It was at Phil Welch's house because she recognized the bedspread and the room that they were in, in this photo. So this is kind of like piecing this, um, this investigation together and the Stansel and Ferrari uh, have enough basically to, write an affidavit or at least interview these guys. But they realize that Pennington and Welsh are deceased. And the only one that's still alive is Ronnie Busick. He's um, incarcerated in Kansas for something that's unrelated. So they take a trip to, to this uh, jail that he's in and they interview him. And of course he claims up and he's like, Oh, I kind of think I know Phil Welsh. If I knew something I'd tell you, but I don't know. But they they feel like they have enough to write a warrant, so they go they go back um, write the warrant. They go back out to the jail. They present this warrant to Busick, and then he starts to kind of loosen up and talk a little bit. Um, he doesn't out and out say anything initially. He kind of is like, yeah, well, if I was the if I was there, I would have been in the car, or. Yeah, they might have done something, but I mean, I knew the guy and there was a drug thing, but like, eh, just being real wishy-washy, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I didn't blow off his wife's ass, but like, yeah. I didn't know him like that, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> well, they serve the warrant and he's going to be going to, you know, the tr his trial and all that. Um, the families agree to give him... Uh, immunity if he tells them where the girls are at. Because the investigators at this point have kind of pieced together what happened that night based on everything in this investigation and kind of what Busick wanted to give away. When the families agreed to uh, immunity, um, he started basically telling them what happened. And the story goes that uh, Danny owed them some money because re remember Pennington was like the kingpin with meth right. and they made meth and all that stuff so Danny owed them money and they went there to collect well it went bad obviously because they shot and killed Danny and Kathy they set the trailer on fire the girls escaped out the back door and they went and hid in the woods but these three men chased after them, apprehended them, drove them back to Welch's home where they held them captive for two weeks. And like I said earlier, tortured them, drugged them, raped them, all that horrible stuff. Um, eventually, they, they killed the girls and disposed of their bodies. So part of the deal that was given 
to Busick was that he had to disclose the location of the girls in order to get this immunity. And this, from here on out, just really um, kind of going back to what you were saying, where there is evil in the world, this, this whole thing pisses me off, and I'll probably go on a little bit of a rant here, but um, Busick gives them a couple of locations. Investigators go out to these locations. They don't find anything. Somehow, I don't, again, I don't know, um, I don't know the, the nitty gritty of the agreement or how any of the court documents were laid out with this. But to me, if you're making a deal to, um, you're going to present this information and you get some sort of break, don't you think that they would make sure that they have those girls before they give him any sort of benefit of the doubt or give him his end of the deal? Yeah, I'm going to be like, yo, um, if they're not there in this lot, like, we're going to go look in one more spot. And if they're not there, dude, I'll fucking kill you myself. Right. <laughs> right. The judge will pull out a shotgun and blow you away. Um, but we will, set they up just... an Epstein, we will set up an Epstein-style thing where we'll just put you with a psycho that needs mm -hmm. some extra commissary. <laughs> and it's like, look, dude, like, if this guy kills himself tonight, no way will we yeah. say it was you. Well... They never found the girls, and they were they went to many many places. Um, despite that, his charges were um, lessened to one count of accessory to murder, and he was sentenced to ten years um, with five years probation. He pleads guilty, which is part of the deal. Um, in twenty twenty. He is, because uh, initially he was charged with four counts of first-degree murder and two counts of kidnapping. All of that was reduced to accessory to murder because of this deal he made that he, he couldn't keep his end of the bargain with in the first place. But they honored it, and in 2020, um, he was sentenced to, like I said, 10 years with five years probation. In, on May 19th of this year, uh, Busick was released from prison after serving two and a half years of his sentence with one five years of probation, only one of which is supervised. And where um, is he at? He's just out living his life. Yeah, where? Um, pretty sure he's back in, he's either in Kansas or Oklahoma. I'm not sure. One of those two places. God, you know what? If the Lord blesses me with stage four cancer at some point, You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm picking up what you're putting down. I, um, the reason why he was released so early is because of a policy within their um, corrections that. Oh, sure. Yeah, some liberal fucking policy, some like pro criminal, anti two little girls who ran and fled for their lives into the woods after two parents were murdered in front of them. And then they were chased in the cold, dark woods, probably barefoot and in their pajamas kidnapped and brought to another stinky fucking meth trailer where they were raped and tortured but yeah okay let's give this guy a fucking break because he didn't give us really good information like he bargained for makes real yes. fucking sense and the policy that got him out so early is uh 90 days credit for every 30 days served with good behavior and um just that policy in and of itself i am not an expert 
on any policy, especially not in like the justice system at that level. But that policy in and of itself makes absolutely zero sense to me. Why, why would you get triple time credit for whatever amount that you are good? I feel like if you're going to give people credit, it needs to be less than the time that they've been good. Like Derek Chauvin, who had a bad fucking day, is going to do every bit of those 22 years. And you got this dirtbag. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. You know, you got Sergeant, you got the guys in the Sergeant Mattingly case about to go to trial uh, for being really great human beings. And if they get found guilty, they'll do every bit of the 10, mm -hmm. 15 years, whatever they get. But this yep. dude who does the unspeakable, who crosses the line, not to say, like, I mean, there is a line with murder. There is a line. These sure. fucking guys cross the line. You know what I'm saying? You could have let those girls just be gone in those woods. That doesn't have anything to do with your meth debt. No, you're an evil fucking person. And you know what? They need to be eradicated from the fucking planet. It's not as I, if... And if I didn't have five kids, I would make this my life's mission. And I would an accessory... Right. An accessory to murder charge to me is like, oh, I fucked up when I was dumb and I was a getaway driver for a robbery that went wrong or a, you know, that's, to me, that's accessory to murder. Um, Dude, yeah, it's, you're, this you're is not dirtbag. like okay. The yeah. Boondog Saints, they would they would have uh, they would have hammered this dude. Uh, Man on fire, Denzel Washington. Yep, same thing, right? You know what I'm saying? That's how mm -hmm. I base all my justified homicides. <laughs> well, <laughs> then... those two movies. I ask myself, what would the Boondog Saints do? <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah, it's, that's a really good Maybe barometer. Pennies to use. over these dudes' eyes. Yeah, I hope well, these this... asshole. I hope this asshole has officerprivacy.com. And he's gotten his address and everywhere that he goes to the gym and anywhere that he goes to church. <laughs> I hope he has officerprivacy.com because if I ever get terminal cancer and I figure out where this simp lives, I'm, I'm leaving this world a happy man. I'm, I'm going to do the Lord's work. I don't understand how anybody how's in that, that process. Huh? How's that for an ad read? You like that officerprivacy.com? That's the only thing that's going to help this dude right now. Officer privacy. I'm so mad right now <laughs> at this. Time. I know because I have two daughters. Like I can't imagine the terror and the sheer fear that these girls felt running out into the woods. Like I'm, I'm generally angry right now, Jay Rama. You generally made me angry. Well, um, pissed off. I, <laughs> I don't understand how anybody in this process from start to finish. Um, again, this is not, not necessarily blaming. I'm not blaming law enforcement at all on this. This is like how this is a system issue which everybody screams about. How do you look at the circumstances of this case and not say, um, maybe this should not apply to someone. Like I said, it's not like he went, he was part of a robbery gone wrong and it was willing parties and he fucked up and he was the getaway driver. This is, he took many, many steps and he was a very active participant in a quadruple homicide. Two of those victims he tortured and raped for two weeks. They're 16 year old girls. Um, and the fact that this guy is walking amongst the same community that, and in close ish proximity to these families, who, by the Dude, way, no way, it wouldn't happen. It would not even happen. It, mm -hmm. Like, that couldn't even happen in my side. It couldn't even be a fucking realm of a possibility. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way. There's nowhere that dude could run, nowhere that guy could hide. 
No, I'd follow that dude to the most southern tip of Playa Hermosa, Costa Rica to end his bloodline. Anybody that shared that last name, I'd hunt them all down. Well, Three it's only been two. it's only been a few. Well, it was in May, so we've maybe we've got time. And continue <laughs> it on. Well, the horrible you know what, part I used to about Jocko's podcast, he used to laugh when he mm-hmm. got so mad. He would like listen to these war stories and like they would be talking about like bad generals and bad sergeants. And he'd be like, <clears throat> and I would just make fun of him. I'd be like, dude, shut up. Like, how do you now? I get it now. Now I feel bad for making fun of Jocko 10 years ago uh, when I wasn't a podcaster. Now I understand. Now I've lived it. Now I've heard the story. I'm feeling the same emotions. It's, it's, Beyond. And the, the girls have never been found. So this man is walking the earth Dude, free while guy. these girls are still fuck out this guy. wherever the fuck they're at. And their families get to know that. They get to live Is their lives knowing that. If we take up like a fund, if we like take up a fund uh, for like prisoners and like, let's just say like things happen and we pay for their commissary afterwards. Is that, is that illegal? I mean... Oh, it just p- depends on how you word it. We could do it. <laughs> we could figure it out. <laughs> YouTube, but God, <laughs> dang it, dude. So that's a, that is a very um, unfortunate end to that case. This guy, the ju- the justice that was handed down was literally nothing. Two and a half years, dude, and now they what? get to live in the same area as this guy, knowing that their daughters what? are. In the ground somewhere. God knows where. How does this, this guy happen? knows where they're at. How does this happen? I don't know. I this really is how John Wick movies are made. I feel like, yeah. right like I feel like going in and writing another John Wick. This is one of those cases where, like you said earlier, we're very um you and I are very pro law enforcement and we understand how criminal investigations actually work. And we understand that a lot of these liberal true crime podcasts don't understand how that works. And it's very easy to place blame on law enforcement. Um, it's very easy to say our justice system is broken and then do nothing about it. Um, but these kind of cases, it's really, really disheartening because it makes it difficult to find any sort of redeeming quality when this guy's just, out here i it i don't know it's yeah i feel the same way that you do and i had like a rant to myself when i was researching this i'm like these stupid motherfuckers like was walking around my house like what the fuck (laughs) but it just it's so infuriating that this is a like does anybody have any fucking brains i don't think this is crazy it's like i don't mean this between oklahoma and johnson county north carolina I don't feel like he would be able to walk around Johnson County. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like this small town of mine, try that in a small town. Like seriously, I'm I'm 99% sure that a dude like that would not be walking around this town for very long. And I, mean, I maybe don't he think went somewhere else. would give a fuck, mm-hmm. nor would they try to solve that crime. You know what I'm saying? Like if that yeah. dude was like blood eagled between like two oak trees, <laughs> like I think our local law enforcement would be like, man, that looks like a suicide. Yeah. <laughs> well, mark of death, suicide. Even though yeah, he's still alive, exactly. he's like, I'm still alive. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you hear that? I don't. I don't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. So that it's in, it's an infuriating uh, case from start to finish, and it's just uh, listening to um, Lorene talk about her daughter and um, 
Ashley's parents are both dead, and so is Ashley. So actually, the the entire family is now dead because Shane was killed um, by Craig County. Um, but so a lot of the information you hear is about Laura because her family's still here to talk about her. Um, but Lorene was saying the kind of person she was um, that that night that she went there, she brought all of her Christmas money because she wanted to take Ashley out to get her whatever she wanted for her birthday. And that was what they were going to do the next day because it was Ashley's birthday. 16-year-old girls. And, and this fucking asshole is just out here being a piece of shit. And they're God knows where. It's just... Uh, John Bates, if you're listening to this, I want you to make like a thousand fucking reels <laughs> about this guy still being out there. Yeah. Yeah, let's get his picture out there in case anybody... Is there anybody here that's from Kansas or Oklahoma? You want to go? <laughs> go on a little side mission, maybe? Right. Just shame him. Just publicly shame him. Mm -hmm. That's what we're asking. Right, right, right. Little, of course. Of course. A little video in the face. You know, video in the face. Of course. Yes. <laughs> no. No, uh, no I mean, honestly, you know, a vengeance is mine, say it the Lord. You know, and I struggle with that. You know, I struggle with that as a cop. You know, there's a lot of conversations that I, I would have my with my wife on that exact on that exact subject. Um, but you know what? You know, fortunately for me as a cop, I mean, I ran over. I, I mean, as you did, right? Ran ran across some some cases of pure evil where you're just like, you know. I'm not even going to talk about it, you know, because we'll get removed from YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just leave it at vengeance is mine, say it the Lord. We just have to let it. We just have to trust. If you're if you're a believer, you just have to trust that God is the overarching judge of these things. Um, but it's very difficult, and it, it tests my patience, and it tests my resolve. I'm a little bit different now because I'm not a cop and I have five kids. Mm. But uh, back in the day, that was something I really struggled with. And to me, I, it's like, I wonder if other cops struggle with it. I, I did. Obviously, you 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 can only do so much, and you you get to be the one to take these people into custody a lot of the time, and it feels good in the moment, and then you walk away, and you're like, I "That's not enough. It's not enough." And um, to me, it's like, like I run into the woods. Yeah. Away from video cameras. To me, it's like okay, you you are redeemable in the eyes of the Lord. But um, in this life, you commit something like this, and there is no place for you here on Earth. Yeah, take it up with Jesus because it's like, yeah. no, you can't yeah. be here. I mean, well I mean, you can be here if you want to. <laughs> I didn't say that. But. I'm gonna make it really difficult for you to be here. So right. I mean, if exactly. I lived in that neighborhood, I would egg his house every night. That's what I did. Toilet paper his yard every single night. High power With that real egg cannons. Paper that just like yeah. disintegrates. <laughs> just disintegrates. It's so, it's just, like, it's so hard to pick up. Yeah, <laughs> take that. You fucking rapist, murderer, piece of shit. Ugh. All right, we got some shout outs to cheer me up. It's somebody's birthday tonight. Somebody's birthday. I know it. Mm hmm. Whose birthday is it? Well, it's our very own John Bates's birthday. Ryan Fraz. Uh, Fraze, Frazeze. Um, by the way, uh, does anybody follow the? Uh, we had him on the show before. Frazizi, um, the mob guy. Uh, I forget his name. No, 
now. Uh, Michael Franzese? No, no, Michael. Yeah, Michael Franzese. I don't know. But anyway, Ryan Franzese is in the, ch- in the chats. And uh, you missed it, Ryan. You missed, uh, you missed one of the darkest episodes of true crime ever. Congratulations. I'm in a bad mood now because of J-Rama in this case. It had the fucking worst ending of all time. So get out of I'm my not face, sorry because people, get out of people my need face. to hear it. <laughs> Captain Micah, fuck off. Will Cray, I don't want to hear any of your shit either. Marines <laughs> bloodbath, eat a dick. All of you. I'm just kidding. Uh, I got a shout right, out as well. What are we up? Um, Go ahead. I can say his name, right? Is that what yes, you said? I'm new to these shout outs. All right. Right. Well, I don't see that in here, so I'm going to say your name. Sorry. Um, David Osbernson wants to give a shout out to Teresa Kay for being an amazing friend, even though she's a Lions fan, which is saying a lot because my team sucks right now. That's what he says. You have, oh, so okay. Teresa Kay, shout out. was an OG drinking bro fan. Uh, he's still a big drinking bro, but he's also still uh, a big Taylor Swift guy, which is really cool, man. He's always been really cool. He's always been really special. There's a couple of people. Um, well, there's more than a couple now that when I make it big, um, that I'm going to like reward. You know what I'm saying? Like where I'm going to take them to like Vegas or I'm going to take them on a cruise. I'm going to pay for it. He's one of them. Like he's one of the core OGs that have been there since, you know, those day one homies that you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have yeah. made it if you wouldn't have seen them in the chats. Dave Osbornson's <laughs> one of those guys. Um, Ryan Fraze is one of them, too. I have to take him on. Them. Mainly just because <laughs> he's, like a, he's another skate dad that I can relate to. Probably like the only one I can relate to these days. Uh, big skate daddy over there. A fellow skate daddy. So I appreciate you, Ryan. Um, hey, you got another shout out? I think you had two, right? Oh, just a shout out for John's birthday. Oh, Jonathan's birthday. <laughs> Jonathan Bates' birthday. Happy birthday, Jonathan. Tomorrow we're live, uh, 11 o'clock. Conservative Ant is joining us um, in some political commentary tomorrow. Um, all of the guys are going to be here. That's how Last Call is going. It's going to be a roundtable of all the political news. We're covering everything tomorrow. Uh, we've got Tim Ballard. Uh, we've got that case on the docket. We've got uh, Russell Brand on the docket. We've got California's new LGBTQ book fine. If you don't put the fi- if you don't put the books in your school libraries, um, we've got Bidenomics. We've got um, Ukraine. We've got the Canadian Nazi who was applauded. All of that going down tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll be joined by Drew Breezy, Jonathan Bates, Dead Leg Media. And conservative ant, we'll be going through all the crazy news. Make sure that you support our sponsors. Go to officerprivacy.com forward slash wolfpack. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash wolfpack. Get you sleep so good it's scary. The only way that I slept at J Rama's house comfortably was with my ghost bed. Um, yeah, I, know, I saw you weird. got rid of all my pillows. I did, I got rid of all your pillows. Um, <laughs> And uh, so people are probably thinking, like, did I lay with Jay Rama? That's not true. I did not. Nope. (laughs) And uh, I was right up next to her kid's bedroom. So that was definitely (laughs) my own room. For those of you who are thinking ahead of things, I slept with my ghost bed pillow (laughs) and my ghost. So I had a good time. But uh, I have a couple of ghosts. Shout out. 
Yeah, that, that house could be haunted. Like, I wasn't going to say anything <laughs> in front of you, but in front of our fans, I'll say, like, that house could fucking be haunted. Like, seance candles. It is incense. haunted. Like, I felt like I was in a true crime episode. I was like, I might be in the basement without a kidney at the end of tonight. Um, no, but she's the <laughs> producer of uh, Antihero Podcast, so I got to hang up to the wee hours of the morning with the Antihero Podcast guys, and that was a blast after going on their their pod their podcast. So um, make sure you go follow Antihero Podcast. Make sure you find Anthony Ramondes' new show, uh, Night Shift TSI. Um, that show's doing really really well. It's up to fifty five reviews um, in four weeks. We need a lot more of that. It's having a hard time making it onto the algorithm. Um, because there are a lot of shows called Night Shift, uh, but in TSI, the algorithm hasn't really picked that up yet. I don't think the algorithm understands that. So we need every single person to head over to Night Shift TSI or go to Night Shift Top Secret Information Instagram page. It's called Night Shift TSI, and the link is there. If you're having a hard time finding it on Google, I know it's a lot to ask, but <coughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Got a coughs. And, uh, but yeah, go over there and give a five-star rating review. So that show can make it onto the charts. Um, right now, Feather to Stop podcast channel, sit number 223 on the charts. If we can move 23 more spots, we will be trending top 200, which means we'll usually venture back up into that top 100 pretty quickly. That's how it works. And then we drift back after the excitement's kind of over. Um, as you guys know, at the beginning of the summer, we were in the top 200. We've now pushed back to the top 223. And those ratings and reviews go a lot. Uh, those uh, The top charts are based a lot on ratings and reviews. So that's why we're always asking for rating and reviews. And hit that automatic download button. That helps us a lot too. And then, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, for myself and, and Jay Rama. Jay Rama, you want to close this out tonight, girl? Yeah. So real quick, um, next week is the first week of October. There's five weeks in October, and I'm doing, like, spooky halloween horror movie theme type cases so make sure you tune in i'm gonna have a guest host at some point sure yeah let's do that actually um that would be really fun i'm gonna do a couple of like spooky things on the instagram i'm gonna do some vlogs and things like that so make sure you follow me um true crime drama and like I said, I'll have I will have a guest host, so it'll switch up at least for one episode. Um, one of my very best friends, who is a law enforcement officer, is going to be doing that. Um, so that'll be fun. So I'm really excited about it. I love Halloween, obviously. So just make sure you you watch, come to the live. Share it's going to be really fun share and share us yes. with a friend. Share us on your Facebook. <laughs> Absolutely, that has 13 followers. It still counts. It still counts. Yeah. <laughs> share us on audio and share us on things. We really want to be the number one. That's all I want for Christmas. I want to be the number one police-related channel on the planet. Um, and we're doing all those things. By the way, book news coming very soon. Like, I'm starting to get depressed. I mean, it's like Christmas Eve for me every single day. I just don't know if tomorrow's going to be the Christmas or not. Ugh. We're supposed to be under contract by October 1st, and it's September 26th. So uh, I am just waiting for the contract. And I, listen, I'm checking my email every five minutes. And it's getting ridiculous, but uh, there should be news in the next four days on the book front, and uh, it'll be very exciting. So stay tuned. Uh, go ahead and take us out there, J-Rama. All right. Thanks for sticking out with the sad story. Next week's going to be disgusting. Can't wait to see you. Um, as always, stay safe, stay strange, and whatever you do, don't get yourself true crimed.